back to If It Ain't Baroque Podcast, your friendly history special. This is Gemma. Hi. And Natalie. Hello. Welcome, or as they would say in early modern English, right trusty and well-beloved, we greet you well. On today's episode, we talk about The Crown, Netflix TV series, and we discuss seasons four, five, and six. We decided last time that we don't mind the split between two halves of season six. So for those who don't know, but probably you do know that... Where have you been? Where have you been? What have you been watching? <laughs> well, I watched Yellowstone in between, but that didn't ease the pain. So first four episodes came out in mid-November. And now a few days ago, we had the other six episodes that landed on Netflix. And it's a first of its kind. I mean, they did do Harry and Meghan documentary. What was it? Earlier this year, last year, last year. They did it in two parts. And now it seems like the trend is picking up again of releasing things in twos. Because if you and I were talking about how it makes sense mm. for The Crown last season to come out in two parts, because the whole Diana story and the princess are older, even though the episode five, so the, the, one, the first one of the new latest sort of job, starts three days after the events of last one but if in the crown it made sense sort of thematically ish would have I mean, been fine if they hadn't done it but when they announced bridgerton to come out in two parts a few days ago and it's not in 25th of december as we all had hoped it's actually next year and you kind of go okay can we just stop with the two halves now because it's not cute what's next episode by episode are we back to 1990s no i can't go through it again I need to binge. I think it was a good idea having it in two halves. I know it's only a couple of days when you start that episode, but it, I mean, the time passes really quickly in that episode. So I was yeah. fine with it. I was totally fine with it. And then obviously by the last episode of season six, a lot of time has passed since Diana's death. So I'm completely fine with it. And it just felt like a, a different shift in energy because it was all about Diana, one to four, and then five six seven eight nine ten it's all back to charles and william and the queen yeah i'm good with it yeah so thematically i mean yeah it was interesting change and i kind of had to double check things because i was i was, I was watching it's a new actor i said okay great amazing looks mm. like william he has that smart very specific smile it's a bit, I mean, handsome smile. The one that kind of William was famous for. The one that uh, Harry, by the way, doesn't have. So, yeah, I was very impressed with that choice. Yeah, I was very much on board with the whole let's recast the actors. And then it made a lot mm. more sense because they are dealing with different issues. And they're dealing with much more adult issues Yeah, in absolutely. episode five. So, mm -hmm. like, I think it was... Oh uh, yeah, Peter Morgan said in the the Crown official podcast. So this comes from the horse's mouth that yeah, sort of the you can't have you can't cast a child that has to look like a child and then ask him to talk about dating and then have to bring in a new actor anyway. So yeah, that made yeah. a lot of sense. But no, absolutely, like, especially with Harry, Harry especially because can you imagine the actor who played Harry in the first half who was amazing? Can you imagine that little boy in a swastika outfit and then? doing drugs and partying and everything else it just it doesn't look right do you know what i mean 
That's what probably Diana said from heaven. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> what it watch. looked like to her. <laughs> Not on my watch. No. Oh, wait, wait, I'm dead. For me, the Will William thing continued perfectly because even when they do a little flashback with the whole, what the, let's sell some big issues. Do you remember? He's the, he's the same guy. <laughs> Yeah, it almost looked the same, but they're not. And you remember, okay, this is the previous incarnation. And they did the same with Kate. Absolutely. You forget that it's a different actress because they look almost alike. Same as they did a young Claire Foy. They cast a little girl. They two two blew my mind. I actually think they're my favourite casting out of five and six. Because she, I had to double take, I was like, is this AI? Did, that can't be a real actress that looks so like a young Claire Foy. And Margaret looked like uh, Vanessa Kirby. 100%. I was sold. 100%. Well, the funny story is that the, the actress who played the young Margaret, the very, very young Margaret, is the same who's been playing the very, very, very young Margaret from the beginning. She's been in the flashbacks since season one. And she was playing the young Vanessa Kirby or the young Helena Bonham Carter. But for the young Elizabeth, there was another actress. Remember last time we were speaking how I think she would have been a better choice for the whole, what was it? My life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. The Mm. 21st birthday speech. Remember how I said it technically should have gone to this young actress who'd been playing young Elizabeth for the first five seasons or whatever. But they obviously gave it to Claire Foy in season four because she looked more famous (laughs) and she won an Emmy for it, obviously. But this was not her. This was someone else. And she was brilliant. Absolutely and she was brilliant. brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Literally yeah. a Forgot very... Claire Foy. Yeah. It's practically Claire Foy, but almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Imagine becoming a star off of something like that. You literally come in, you're in one and a half episodes, if that, because her in the last episode was blink and you miss her almost. But mm very valid presence very lots of gravitas there from that presence alone when she does the salute thing it's it's almost as genius as elizabeth elizabeth Tibiki as diana yes i mean she was good no the girl stole that spotlight for me brilliant uh what are the memories of seeing the finale and the end of the show i have not cried at the crown i've seen lots of people say that they were in Floods of tears when Diana died. No, I didn't. At the end of The Crown, when you see Elizabeth and Elizabeth and Elizabeth and Elizabeth. Yeah, that got me. I was I was in floods. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a bit dramatic. I had a little tear, to be fair, not floods, but that did make okay. me quite emotional. It um, actually did make me quite emotional. As our good friend would say, don't hold back. Tell us how you really feel. It really did. And I didn't cry when the Queen died. It's all just fine. We move. We die. So I watched it last night and I cried a little bit at the finale, but I Mm. mostly cried uh, with the Margaret episode. That was... I mean, I didn't cry. Don't get me wrong. I didn't cry. But I... I was kind of like stunned with heartbreak watching that. I found that really, really emotional to watch. Just for comparison, listeners, Gemma didn't cry when Matthew Perry died. Gemma doesn't cry when MD dies, right? There we go. That's the yardstick we're going to measure. That is the yardstick. Yeah. (laughs) I'll cry if an animal dies. No, I I find that really, really emotional. And I found it really hard to watch, to be honest, because... And I know this is going to sound really bad. The Diana stuff did not bother me. And I think it's because we are... It it might be different for younger generations who were not bombarded with Diana dying. 
I just feel like people might have become always in your face. How many movies and TV shows have we've seen it? It happened, God knows how many years ago now. Quarter of a century. I know um, Margaret died a very long time ago, but there wasn't the same hype. There wasn't the same in the media and on films and that when Margaret died. I felt really, it wasn't even just Margaret dying. It was the fact that you forget that the Queen lost her, one of her very best friends, then her sister, then her mother, in the space of like six months. Who was the very best friend? Porchy. Ah, Porchy, yes, right. Yeah. And uh, for the listening audience, that is the Earl of Carnarvon. The owner of Highclere Castle. Which is Downton Abbey. Which is Downton Abbey. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. And his great-grandfather, no, grandfather, his grandfather was the the guy that found Tutankhamun, along with other people, obviously, but he was there. Yes, exactly. Now, what you said, people forget that she lost her immediate family. So from the whole we four... What George mm-hmm. VI, the father of the late queen, used to say. So that was him, the late queen mother, Margaret, Margaret Rose, as she was called when she was little, and Lilibet, i.e. Elizabeth II. So the four of them formed this family unit, we four, and they were a very close-knit unit at that. So she lost, obviously, her father. That was a great devastating loss, but she had the other two for the mm-hmm. next, what is it, 50 years, half a century. And then 2002 comes and takes... All of them away and then before that like you said yeah Porchy dies you know the episode where Charles is having issues with William and Harry and Philip kind of takes stock of I, th- oh, I think it was in episode Will's 5 Mania. Yeah, 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 Mania. Episode 5 and he kind of takes stock of him being a father and you see him looking back it is that thing where you get to the end of your life and you look back at the mistakes you've made and maybe things you would do again especially as like a parent or a sister or a daughter kind of a thing yeah or a friend there was a lot of that in this season which was quite nice but yes Uh, that was slightly cringeworthy to get through is will's mania because some of it was the episode five was a little bit just okay yes we just just get through it yeah the alma mater so again so basically William and Catherine and I mean this in respect to the real William and Catherine because borrowing the language again of Peter Morgan most of this stuff is now journalistic as opposed to historical Mm. so watching William and Catherine getting together was even though it was done very artistically well the actors looked like their counterparts so well done but the fact that it was there Hmm. slightly reminded me of those Hallmark crappy films that they made about them, if you know what I mean. The one that has Camilla Luddington from Grey's Anatomy as Catherine. And you kind of just, why? Just, it's It happened less than 20 years ago. Hmm. Th- these guys are still in their prime. They could still sire another three kids if they wanted to, but they already have three, most of them under 10. The, the very relatively young couple yeah i i know why it was there etc and it's you know showing the future of the monarchy and everything that oh they learned some lessons and they did you know evolve and yeah they learned lessons for things not to repeat themselves and that was the message it's great some of it was a little bit journalistic and i I was very happy when both of those episodes finished because i was thinking okay now can we go back to the queen now please and i mean this in the utmost respect to the real william I felt that way about 
the Diane episodes not being funny that could have been one episode I felt like it was far too much focus on Diana on season and all the seasons to be honest that she's in there was far too much focus on her I could really could have done without it all I don't mind she had to be there obviously she is the mother of the princes and most importantly the future heir um the future monarch sorry so yep tell her story that's great but she wasn't that important to the crown I partially agree, I think, because in season six, the first four episodes, so the ones that we were made to watch apart from the other six episodes, it could have been shorter. I th- yeah, I agree with you. But I think they really wanted to make her an extra, almost a guest leading star. I just don't really agree with that decision. Obviously, it's the bloody show they can do it the one. I would have liked more of the... I would have, I would have loved more of Sophie because Sophie does more for the crown than any other of the wives, to be honest. Not uh, Kate Middleton, obviously. Yes, I have but... friends who love Sophie and don't like the rest of them. And I agree, Sophie should be there. But also, it's not even the case of more Sophie, just Sophie, because she's not even... She's not, <laughs> no, she's not even <laughs> The last time we saw Edward is as a young teen, yeah. played by Anga Simri, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so you have him as Edward, and that's the only time we see him. We never see him do anything, but that's probably because, again, Peter Morgan wants to keep everything as close as possible to the crown, which is why we never see Margaret's kids. They don't exist. We don't see Anne's kids. They don't exist. And that's I'm all right with that, because Margaret's yeah. kids, they're not needed, right? It's kind of like Harry's now. They're not needed. Nobody needs them. They're not even spares. But Sophie did play a big part to the crown. She had a very close relationship with the Queen. That should have been shown because the the fact that the Queen and Sophie had such a close relationship is a big deal to the crown, in my opinion. And Diana never had that with the Queen. I think I agree with you because Sophie is kind of, the way I always thought of Sophie is... Because they looked alike as well back in mm-hmm. mid to late 90s. In that time, they looked not too dissimilar with the haircut and everything. And it's kind of almost as if Sophie is Diana done right. So they did spend time together. They did live mm-hmm. in Sin, uh, the Buckingham Palace or what have you. And they were given time to, okay, is this for you? Is this role for you? Is this not for you? Let's have, you know, the training. But I think probably, he, I don't know, they didn't want to include that. But actually, yeah, that would have been nice to balance it out. So this is kind of, this is <laughs> this is how we do it. Y- yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that is a, that is a loss. And of course, mm-hmm. we didn't see the thing that I wished for last time is uh, seeing Prince Eddie's storyline as a major flashback. So the beginning of Windsor's and why George V was even there. But I guess that would have taken them... Too far, too far back. back. Too far back. Too far back, yeah. But that's why I'm saying. So last time we spoke about it and I said that some seasons have filler episodes because there was nothing else that they could have done. So some seasons would have had fewer episodes and some seasons would have had a lot more episodes. So in this case, you could put a lot more in mm. and probably uh, take down the Diana stuff. But they just thought that people will watch it for her, which again... Is logical because if you had such a global superstar presence of a character on the show, you say the name Diana and the first thing you think of is her. You don't think about anyone else. If you have someone like that, then you can't really 
do an episode about the queen and her horses. I just thought we could have just done with her in season four and five, to be honest. That's what I thought actually was going to happen because I never thought that they would take her all the way to season six. I thought that because first they said we're going to finish with season five. Well, not first, but around 2020, they said we're going to finish with season Mm -hmm. five. And I thought, okay, that's going to end with her death. And then they said, no, 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 we're going to do season six as well. Even better. And I never thought that she would be anywhere near season six. Maybe it would start with the crash. Maybe it would go straight to the aftermath. I never thought that the first half would just be Diana in the Mediterranean lounging about. Yeah. That's what I mean. I mean, the four episodes, if they were four episodes were just one episode, that I'd have been fine with it. Because you do have to tell a story. I'm not saying they don't tell a story and leave it out because it was a big part of the crown because all that uh, the aftermath right and obviously it was a big part of charles's life and william and harry's life and the queen's they just dragged it on a wee bit too much for me to be honest not as much diana but i think the fact that they had so much about the alfired family really started to grate on me really started to grate on me no offense to the guy but they dated for six weeks I have a cheese in my fridge longer than six weeks. I'm glad you eat dairy again. God, man. You know that bit's like Romeo and Juliet? If they had not killed themselves, right? Not not Diana Dodie. If, before any other conspiracies come out. If Romeo and Juliet had not killed themselves, they would have got bored of each other. She would have realised what an idiot it was and she would have left them. Like we all do in teen romances. So let's be a little bit. We have that storyline... In Yellowstone. Exactly. That's Monica and Casey no. play it right there. No, because she doesn't leave. She, hasn't she didn't seen leave. What idea she, didn't, she, she didn't leave because the script and the contract requires her to stay. If she leaves him, that will be it. But that's a whole other episode, Gemma, which I'm he, more than happy to do. He should leave her, actually. She's more annoying. They're both very annoying. Yeah. At least he's annoying. hot. So, yes, exactly. So, Romeo and Juliet was a, what was it, a weekend romance, three days or something. They knew each other. Fewer days than you have, than you could count on your hand, on one hand. And yeah, the same with Diane and Dodie. So, all of the, the interviews, all the material in the interviews points towards, oh, but we wanted to show the Dodie side as well. We wanted to, it's, it's, there's two people who died that day. And I was, well, three, actually, th- three. Three. Yeah. That really irritates me that, because I listened to the podcast. And they kept talking about that as well. And it was like, oh, there's two people that died. Hello, there was three. You only care about them because they were rich and they were famous. But somebody else did die. And not just somebody else died. Some other family has been grieving all this time as well. They never get it either. They never get it. And the guy who survived, the fourth guy survived. But we never hear, see him. How traumatic must that be for him to have survived that as well? It really, really got on my goat that pissed me right off I don't like that at all that just annoyed me even more about the whole situation they were talking in annoying voice tones that oh Mm. but she didn't die alone well no she didn't two of them either (laughs) it it was actually three people and the fourth one was in a coma for a very Uh, very long time mm -hmm. and doesn't remember much of it but he survived and he's alive somewhere today yeah because the actor I was listening to the podcast the actor said oh people some people didn't even know that he died so I asked my other half I said do you remember, do you know about Diana dying? And they went, aye, her and that 
my boyfriend died or something and I was like do you remember the other guy that died and they went what other guy and I mean my other half does not like the royal family has no interest in them and he even knew that Diana and Dodie died I don't understand who doesn't know that Dodie died because you always hear about them dying together younger generations maybe but I don't even think so I think they know how to read Google for a start (laughs) they have so many films and TV shows that this has been portrayed in you couldn't know about Diana and not know that Diana and Dodie died. You could, however, know that, uh, not know, sorry, that somebody else was in the car. Apparently they were driving themselves. It was a self-driven car. Self-driven car. From the 2024, yes. (laughs) See Elon Musk's fault. Exactly, yes, precisely. So the whole taking it to another leading character and then another romance and everything. Yeah. It was a little bit too far. And also we don't know that that was an actual couple. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that in the show, they do portray that, oh, actually, no, we're not getting married. We're friends. Well, I like just, that, that. Yes, let's mm-hmm. go with this because let's stop talking. Pregnant, boyfriend. I'm not being funny. See, when I watched the episode and I actually had forgot all about that he had did that statement saying that she was pregnant and that. I knew there was, I knew the conspiracy theories about her being pregnant. But I forgot that he had said that. And I was thinking, I was just thinking to myself, I have had three children. You do not know within six weeks if you're pregnant. You just do not know. How, how could you tell? And I've, I have seen on Facebook and everything else pictures of her on the beach and she's got a bit of a belly because by the way she's had two children and she's in her 30s which is normal we have bellies some women do have them and people are going she's obviously pregnant she's obviously pregnant no she's obviously a woman in her 30s who's had two children you would not show it six weeks pregnant or four weeks two weeks pregnant i have no kids and i look about four months pregnant if i really really need to pee And I'm not kidding. No, it's normal though. That is normal. Yeah. It, the number of hours I go without peeing, that's the number of months <laughs> pregnant I look. Exactly. Well, that's it. I think it's people who say they can tell that she was pregnant because of that kind of photo. It's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. They should go work at the gynecologist office. I think <sighs> you're pregnant. You don't need to take a test. I'll do it for free. <laughs> you, you do not have a flat, perfect stomach. Oh my God. Shock yeah. horror. Here's your blue line. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. So historical accuracy for seasons four, five, six. This episode is about the second half of the crown show, which basically can be described as the Diana years to a degree. So we love the second half, but we don't love it as much as the first half. Would that be fair? It, yeah. I like the last couple of episodes of six. One to three was... Much better. I think it's for the same reason we we spoke last time that it was. And this is why I love the Ritz episode, because it takes us to something we don't know. Mm. It shows us something we have no idea where this is going to go, how they're going to sort of treat it, how they're going to treat the story. And it bears mention that the events portrayed in the Ritz episode was inspired by real events that they disappeared into the crown and came, uh, crown disappeared into the crowd and yeah. came back in the morning. But you also had a film about it about six, seven years mm. ago, maybe yeah. eight now. It, it was literally, it's called The Royal Night Out. And Mm. it had actresses who would go on to do good things. So Belle Powley was Princess Margaret. Amazing as Princess Margaret. Sarah Gadon or Gadon. Don't know how to pronounce it, but please correct me. So she was a Princess Elizabeth. 
Rupert Everett was George VI, the briefly that he was in. So the height, they got the height right. And to be honest with you, he looks a lot more in the face as George VI than Colin Firth does. No offense, Colin Firth. Love you. But <laughs> not as George VI. I'm sorry. You look nothing like him. Emily Watson, I think, was Queen Mother, which I think was a fantastic choice. And she, if she would have been on the crown as the Queen Mother in, say, the first two installments, she would have looked a lot better than than Victoria Hamilton. See the Queen Mother in season six? <laughs> kill me. Absolutely kill me. I loved last time. So this ended up on the cutting room floor for the last episode of The Crown we did. And I said, oh, wait, we forgot to, <laughs> to talk about the Queen Mother. You said she was there. Gareth Russell's book, a Let's Do Have Another Drink. So I am, I am, I can't wait to read that just to get another perspective because so far in my life, I have never, ever been a fan of the late Queen Mother. Ever. Oh, that's such a shame. I'm a huge fan. I absolutely love her. Yes, I'm completely biased. And yes, it's because she's Scottish. <laughs> if she sounded Scottish at any point, I would She doesn't. Been she doesn't. But um, there you go. It's like that skit about Downton Abbey when someone says, are you from Yorkshire? And she says, um, can't you tell by our accents? And you go, really not. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Yorkshire sounds different. I love the, the Scotland bit and the Glam's Castle, which, by the way, <laughs> yes, we, we drove into almost. <laughs> we need to go back. We need to go back. Yeah. So love the, the Glam's Castle references, everything. But so far, I've just never been able to get fangirly about her. I don't know. But yeah, anyway, so why do you like her? Make me a fan. I like her because she played the role of Queen Consort to perfection. She had a husband who had great difficulties at the time and she stood by his side. She told him no in the beginning to get married. She was like, yeah, no. And you then had to propose to... three times. Exactly. So like, she's not this easy to get woman. She has like her own mind. She was really stubborn. I love the fact that she called Wallace Simpson that woman. I mean, that's my kind of vibe. Like, you're just that woman. You're not even getting a name. You're just not even getting a name. It pissed me off that much. And I think she was really good at being a family. She was so close to her daughters, so close to her husband. She managed to do, possibly, not that I don't like her, but she managed to do what Queen Elizabeth II couldn't do. And she managed to juggle being a royal and being a mother. So she wasn't true. a monarch. It's easier when you're not a monarch. She wasn't a monarch, but she did a lot. Trust me, my father was not a monarch, for sure, but he struggled <laughs> with his parenting duties. Uh, parenting is not for everybody. Uh, do you know what I like? I liked how the showed Charles struggling with the boys um, yes. in season six. I actually really liked that because I'm sure the Queen Mother struggled with two daughters at some time in her life. Parenting is hard and I don't really like it when Charles gets a lot of flack for being, I don't know, a bad dad. Yeah, because he tried. He he did his best and I think he really put his best foot forward and had yeah. to get on with it. Yeah. yeah. Especially because the other carer is you irretrievably know. gone. Mm. Yeah. No, mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I absolutely love that. You got a lot of single parents on the show. But of course, you know, the late Queen Mother became, I wouldn't call her a single, I mean, can you call her a single parent when your children are, you know, past 20? Yeah, they don't stop being your children. True, true. <laughs> it's the only relationship that is literally till death do us part. I thought it was this one. <laughs> In this case, it's until Zoom does us part. <laughs> I also like the episodes with Harry, right? But I've actually got been Harry's side here. 
I know. Wait for it. Wait, wait for me being behind Harry. I watched Ew. the episodes. I know. I watched the episodes where he had the unfortunate costume. I think everybody needs to remember. Not that I'm condoning it, but it was a different time. And I'm telling you, if you were in your twenties at that time period, you were probably going to be very happy that there's no pr- photographic proof the way there is now. Because 20-year-olds do stupid things. In your 20s, you make a shitload of mistakes. Can you imagine if all the mistakes in your 20s, there was photographic evidence and it was put on the front of the papers? I mean, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. True. Still, not the best choice. Not the best choice, but I would would just like to point out the president of Canada uh, did blackface. So did Billy Crystal. So did loads of other celebrities. Jimmy Kimmel. Loads of them did it. And it was a different time. People were Horrible up. histories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hi, I'm Egyptian. Are you? Are you though? <laughs> I don't think you are. Really? Because we can wash this off. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a different time period now. I'm not saying they were right back then, but you can't look back and judge from this time period. True. I don't blame Harry for that. It's, I do not blame Harry for that. I think it's the putting his mother's cream on his dick and um, that was worse. <laughs> saying that he descended from Henry VI as well as <laughs> wanting privacy. And this is what I want to say. So Diana wanted privacy. Harry wanted privacy. Do you know what? There's plenty of privacy. Balmoral. So much privacy there. Do you know my favorite scene? One of my favorite scenes was about where Philip, and I can imagine him doing this, Philip. Phones up the costume shop and goes, why is this on me and you? Not that uh, you sold my grandson a Nazi costume. It's You didn't even get it accurate. I mean, what are you doing? Why are you even selling it? Yes. You and I can phone some sort of yeah. <laughs> countryside repertoire theatre and say, well, actually, you know, Richard III was not <laughs> this and that. And, you know, his crown was, was like this, not like that. Where, 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 is, where is this in, in the middle? Yeah, get rid of that. I guess I'm laughing. I was like, this is me and Natalie watching every single historical drama. That's not accurate. <laughs> That's not accurate. No, 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 no. It was so funny. What about the change of cast? So we had good Olivia Coleman, Tobias Menzies, Emma Corrin, Josh O'Connor mm. in the second installment. So season four, the one we talk about today. And then we changed it to Imelda, Imelda Staunton, Jonathan Price, to Welsh Duke of Edinburgh. Because everyone forgets he's Welsh. I thought you meant Prince Philip. I was like, I hate to tell you, he was not Welsh. <laughs> because yeah. father to the Prince of Wales. So yeah. yeah and Dominic West. And Elizabeth Debicki, what do we think about the cast change? As much as I love Jonathan, he's not my Philip. I wasn't a... Jeremy Irons. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Irons was my Philip. I didn't really like Imelda to begin with because I'm just not over Harry Potter yet. I don't oh, think. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> I'm just not. But I'll tell you what, by season six, I forgot. And she was definitely the queen. And by the, as I said, by the last episode, I, I felt the Queen through her. I literally felt the Queen through her. thought she did an amazing job in hindsight. That was just my initial reaction and I got over it very fast. Diana's, oh God, that was just perfect. It really was. It was just perfect. Couldn't get better. No offence to the previous one. She did great, but I'm sorry, but she wins hands down. Hands down. It's just everything. I actually forgot she wasn't Diana. Don't even know what she looks like anymore. She looks like her. <laughs> that, that's what Diana looks like. That's what she looks like. Oh, actually, in the same vein, Camilla is amazing. 
Oh my God! Yes, sorry. Yes, Emerald Fennell and to Olivia Williams, amazing and amazing. Princess Anne, hi. Yeah, she's good. I I wanted more of her. I always wanted more of her. I always want more of Princess Anne. You can't. I can't get enough. Dominic West. Good lord. See, I kind of felt the same that I felt like we are melted out. I thought he's too hot. Sorry, yes, Dominic West. He's. Far too hot. You know what you said in the Catherine episode? I I know that because I'm editing it and it's going to come out tomorrow. What does it say? No? So we we talked about Henry VII being in films or something like that. And I say, by the way, he's played by Dominic West in the 1995 Ian McKellen's Richard III. And you said, you said, this is the first time I've been attracted to Charles III. (laughs) Exactly. So for me, when I kind of thought, okay, who would be perfect Charles for the last two seasons? I I thought, okay, yes, him. And then about a year and a half later, they finally admitted, they they announced he's going to play him. Obviously no one asked me, so I didn't influence anything. But (laughs) if they had asked me, I would have said Dominic West, because I think at the time he was the only one with that sort of from the, you know, semi-remotely famous people, what have you, who mm. had that presence to pull that off, believably, because also he just finished The Affair, as in the show, not the one with Camilla. He finished The Affair, which is, again, interesting. It feeds in into his character of Charles. Mm. If you come out of the five seasons of a show called The Affair, which starts with you having extramarital affair, so that does not go against you. It helps you. Also, he had played Oliver Cromwell in the past, and he had played the future Henry VII. So he did kind of have some of that um, sort of royal credits far, far past, way he would be before he was famous. But still, with season five, Imelda Staunton, I thought, okay, she's a brilliant choice. There's no one else who could have played the queen. Amazing. And I started watching it, and I thought, oh my God, the woman has three Olivier Awards, two of which I've seen her in, by the way. So, yeah, in kind of my household, Imelda Staunton was never Dolores Umbridge. That was one of the many, many roles that I knew her from because I knew her. The first thing I saw with her was Shakespeare in Love. She played the nurse to Gwyneth Paltrow's Viola. Let's not forget that. So that was my first, I think, uh, sort of introduction to Imelda Staunton, which, by the way, had her husband as well, who also played the nurse, but for the play, (laughs) within the play. And I've seen her since on stage in Sweeney Todd playing Mrs. Lovett and in Gypsy playing Mama Rose. That was phenomenal. That's the main thing that I know her for. So I have, and she's always on stage in London, either in a musical or in a play. She keeps getting award for them and she's done so many films and so many TV shows. The thing about her, for Harry Potter for me, is because she was the only character I didn't like. I like Voldemort. I'm sorry, I liked him. I, I, I don't not like him. She I'm a was Slytherin. The you don't have to convince me. <laughs> you too. You're also a but Slytherin. But she did my head in. And she has the same... No offence, Queenie. But she has the same outfit going on. Do you know what I mean? She has you mean the pink one that you're wearing now? I'm wearing a Nike. I'm wearing a Nike t-shirt. It's pink. It's still a Nike sweatshirt. It's very umbrage. (laughs) No, but the suits, do you know what I mean? Like, it's the same. It's the suit and the hair. I mean, it's kind of a similar to the Queen. It's that kind of vibe. But the Queen liked dogs. Umbrage liked cats. Uh, I think season six was definitely much better because, to be honest, I wasn't really looking forward to the crown by season six. I wanted to get over with. I really did. 
in the first half did not help. But then after I got, in fact, I was watching episode five and my son came in and went, how's it going? I went, it's going to drag on. I can feel it. It's going to drag on. But it didn't. It got better and better. Yeah. yeah it did. It the really last did. half was Yeah, but it was fantastic. so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did find the whole William and Kate storyline really hard to watch. I just did. It felt that cheesy. Yeah. Really, also, because just... there were two episodes like that. So you had Will's Mania. Where did you... No, you, you don't have Kate in that. But still, it's very Will-centric with the whole William, we love you. It does drag on. It 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 did... It did drag on. Besides, when they're switching the main character from Elizabeth to someone else, the storyline better be good. Will's Mania, great, but it could be, I don't know, shortened or something. So yeah, Dominic West. He grew on me. He really did grow yeah. on me because I feel like in season six, he got the mannerisms down of Charles. He's still too pretty. Like, I don't care. He's still too pretty. He has the mannerisms, he has the facial expressions, he has the tone of voice, right, that you would imagine he spoke to William and Harry, like, because I always imagine him being like, a pushover as a parent. I mean, I'd ended up slapping the two of them up at times. He just feels, he always feels really, like, I don't know, chilled out until he became monarch and then he had the breakdown. But still, it's fine. The pen incident, and it was a whole big thing. That really irritates me. This is a man... Who's 70 now? If you have a father who reached that age or is around that age or a, a grandfather or a brother or whatever, they do, they lose their temper. They lose their temper really fast. You, if you're a man, you will do the same thing. I don't know about women, but I can, I can see it in my dad. He's reaching that age. He's losing his will to care about people around him. Yes, he's the king, but he's also a human. He just lost his mother, who he had for nearly 70 years. He's not allowed to grieve. Give the guy a minute. And I think it's really funny how we don't have that empathy for King Charles that we had for and still have for William and Harry when it comes to them losing their mother. We've just yeah. kind of lost it because you're always going to be a little boy when it comes to your parents. If you've got a close relationship, I mean, it depends. Yes, thank but, you. Yeah. <laughs> not so much, but they did. They had a close relationship. And if you have a close relationship, even if you don't have a close relationship, there's different types of feelings and you should be allowed to. You need to have some empathy for people who are having different grieving Oh no, hundred percent. Yeah. No. You lose your temper, and it's it's not even as if you know it's the beast. You know, you must oh, control no. your temper. Also, yeah, he lost the mother, and this is all. Even though he obviously knew this was going to happen, this is kind of new. All of this is new. So yeah. Exactly. He's been unemployed for seventy years. Not really unemployed, but you know what I mean. Like he has. He's been in it to a new role at seventy. I can't imagine getting the crown at seventy. People are retiring at that age. In that last episode, when Olivia Coleman is giving the stats mm. to Imelda Staunton, and they're saying, "Yeah, most people, you know, at this age, they retire." Yeah. Yep. Yada yada yada, and you go, "Yeah," and everything that the Queen said, they said, "I'm gonna go into my white-haired eighties, nineties, and for the next fifty years, whatever the crown will be under people not in their prime." True, mm. but yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's, we're, it's we're fine. Well, exactly. I'm, I'm not being funny. Like I'm, I'm not saying they don't do anything anymore. They obviously do a lot for the country still. But I mean, they're not going into war. They're not going to leading the country to yeah. battle on it's a horse. George the Second, you know, at the Battle of Datingen or whatever. It's <laughs> exactly. Datingen. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, we we must have Bosworth. You know, we we must have fight. Where is my standard bearer? Exactly. They're not even running the country for God's sake. I mean, if it was the Prime Minister, it's completely different. But they're not. Not that he's any good. 
Elizabeth of Debicki, of course, is perfection. And does I honestly, there's nothing me speak about her. She's just perfection. End yeah. of. Does that yeah. one perfectly? Yep. Emma Corrin, of course, was fantastic as young Diana. Mm-hmm. And yep. there's no way that one person could have played both. And I love the fact that it happened at the crux of the installments. So they had to get two actresses instead of one. And I think that the young Diana, the teenage Diana and the in her 30s Diana mm-hmm. were played by different people. And it was actually struck me because it just tells you about the talent of them both. Because when I Googled them, when the announcements were made and they were made if not at the same time, very close to each other from memory. I looked up and so Emma Corrin was early, early 20s, if that. And when she was cast, Elizabeth Debicki was 29. Oh, was she? Of course, the Emma Corrin's age kind of speaks for itself. Obviously, she, the character, would have had to be played by someone very young. And that Mm. shows. (laughs) I looked up Elizabeth Debicki and she said, yeah, sort of 29. She was 29. She was about to be 30, I think. So she was cast to portray Diane in her 30s when she was still 29. That just speaks about the talent, I think, of both actresses that they could pull that off. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they, they were both really, really good. I think yeah. they got Diana, casting got Diana to perfection. The only thing I would say is that the end of season four, again, this goes back to some seasons have storylines that could have been in other seasons or some seasons could have had more episodes, some, some fewer, that kind of thing. It kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of we think in thoughts, but speak in sentences. So it has to overlap. So in this case as well, some storylines could have been much better in other seasons. So yeah. for, for instance, end of season four, you have, I think it was Avalanche and War. Those two episodes in terms of Charles and Diana belonged steadfastly in season five, in my opinion, the way it felt. Mm. And then when they're arguing with each other and... Uh, Emma Corrin is having um, Josh O'Connor with the with the why would I care about her or and then Prince Philip is warning the the young princess uh, Princess Diana remember with the whole are are you threatening me sir that one yeah didn't feel like it belonged in that season no definitely that's what I mean I feel like the whole Charles and Diana storyline was dragged out from season four to season six. It's unnecessary. It could have been wrapped up in season five. I think they could have done more flashbacks. Well, they could have done that. Like I said, with Prince Eddie, obviously don't go all the way to Queen Victoria and her romance with (laughs) with Albert. Although, why not? But I think that if you wanted to do also another episode on the siblings, because this is one of the main narratives of the show in general, Mm -hmm. you could do Prince Eddie George V and explain everything that they've hinted at in the past few seasons, because it wasn't mentioned very often, but I think twice at least I've counted, that Prince Eddie was mentioned. And there's the whole speech in Margaretology about it. So, hi, this is where it could be, instead of, yeah, making Diana four episodes, okay, three episodes in season six, instead of, you know, one. Or just, you know, the dog, they walk the doggy, boom. Okay, aftermath. Okay, so... um. So funeral? No. I think we could, to be honest, I'm not bothered about them not going back in history because I'm not that interested. I'm not that, I'm not that interested, but that's another TV show. Yeah, but... I was going to say, you're not interested in history? You're in the wrong <laughs> podcast, madam. <laughs> <laughs> also, no. look at the stuff behind you. Who are you? Do I know you? <laughs> I'm not interested in history at all. You can't even tell. I wanted more of Crown that they were actually covering. 
I feel a lot of the time it was on other characters, not the Queen. I would have liked it to be mainly on the Queen. I get why they put a lot in Charles and William because it's the crown continuing and that's fine. I'm totally behind that. But, I mean, they put quite a lot into Princess Margaret, which I love because I love Princess Margaret, but they could have done that with the other siblings. I know Andrew's kind of like a wee bit of an issue to talk about, but he had another two. It's fine. Bring out the good ones. Edward, Sophie... How's it going? Edward, Sophie, and come on. No, I agree. I mean, I know Andrew's a bit of a sore subject, but I actually wouldn't have minded more of Fergie and him because I, I like Fergie, not him. I yes. Fergie. I like her. Yeah. And she, she, I feel like she did it right. You survived? She did. <laughs> she did. No, but she survived. The Queen still liked her in the end. She was in and out. She still lives with Andrew to this day. She has the Queen's dogs. For God's sake. Again, you know. she, she's in the Windsors. I am happy to, <laughs> to leave her there. But yes, no, no, I agree, I agree. I agree. And also she, didn't she pre- co-produce the Young Victoria film? She did. Yep, yep. Beatrice is in that. What are you doing next, Sarah? Well, um, I'm co-producing a film with Martin Scorsese about, you know, the Queen Victoria. And my child's in it for two seconds. Blink and you miss her, but she's there. She looks like Queen Victoria, although she doesn't play Queen Victoria, but it's a great film. Yeah, check it out on Netflix. I, I really like that film and I really like Emily Blunt, but Beatrice could have been Queen Victoria 100%. It's actually uncanny how That's much what she I'm looks saying. like her. Yeah. Uncanny. She was well-named. And now it's Princess Charlotte. I wouldn't say she looks like Victoria. No, no, she doesn't look like Victoria. She looks like uh, Elizabeth. All right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to what we've already said about Diana and the guest leading actress. And it's interesting to see that first two seasons, first three seasons even, whoever plays the queen is the leading actress. And the leading actress goes to, no probs. You get to season four, and for some reason the leading actress, despite the fact that she was not in every episode, not by far, in some episodes she was barely there, is the actor who played Diana, i.e. Emma Corrin. Same in season five. And it's interesting that the queen in those whoever played the queen in those seasons get to the supporting role now we're back to season six and everything i think is may still be (laughs) she may have died maybe back to normal (laughs) i noticed the shift and obviously it's completely it doesn't matter to absolutely anyone on earth apart from probably myself and yourself but it's interesting the way that happened so whoever was hogging the limelight in real life in the years of seasons four and five voluntarily or otherwise that is the actor who got the leading status on mm. the awards, as opposed to, according to Prince Philip's speech, <laughs> our whole world revolves around her. I think that's int- that. I noticed that. It's 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 curious that alternative cast Jeremy Irons would have been amazing. Prince Philip's so voice. Good. Everything. It would be not just perfection, mm-hmm. but it would have been confection. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think that by season six, Jonathan Price started filliping a little bit. He started showing this BDE a little bit, but I still don't understand why you have Prince Margaret has 70th birthday and he's saying, okay, toodaloo. Imelda Staunton, she literally is cock blocking everyone. Princess Anne comes over and says, okay, so I may want to have a divorce and I like that one next to the lighthouse. Cock blocked. No dick for you. Diana comes in and says, I want some personal happiness. I may want to, you know, divorce. No no dick for you. Princess Margaret comes and says, can I go for on a date with the man you refused me to, uh, you, you refused the marriage of to me um, 50 whatever years previously? Because, you know, he may be dying. I don't have long. We might as well have fun. 
no dick for you. I know, but is that just I me? Mean, I mean, I get her though. Like, I really get her because in season six, there was conversation about they brought up the fact that Catholics can't marry into the uh, royal family. Yeah. And I mean, if Harry marries a Catholic, he should be allowed to. I don't, I mean, I don't care what that boy does. I understand why they wouldn't want. I don't I, I'd actually I don't understand why they wouldn't want George to. It would be different if he married a Catholic and then they wanted to bring the children up Catholic because the heir to the throne cannot be Catholic. And I can see that. I can see why. Because you cannot be the head of the Church of England when you are not from the Church of England. If you don't believe in that, it'd be like having like a Muslim be the Pope. It's ridiculous. I understand that. So there would need to be Right, well, they're no longer the head of the Church of England. That would need to be a thing for it to make sense. That would, I mean, I don't see that happening either, right? But I understand that. I think they should be allowed to marry whoever they want, but I get how the actual reigning monarch cannot be Catholic or Muslim or Jewish or any other religion. I think they're afraid that the last time they allowed, they thought, okay, but we're going to bring up the children in this faith. And then you're... Henrietta Mariah, your Anna of Denmark, your. I'm not being funny. We're not going to have a Mary Tudor on the hands anymore. You're not going to start burning no, Catholics. I, I know happening. that. <laughs> they don't know that. I know that. I don't. You don't have to convince me. <laughs> but yeah, that's the case. <laughs> yes, but they're afraid that this non-Anglican newcomer, whatever you want to call them, is going to impact how the children are raised because they had this good faith in several of the queen's consort in the past and they were the kids were the parents were still raised catholic and then it's oh oops well they caught me praying what can you do <laughs> yeah well it's fine just go on to the next kid it's not as if they're running out of them now yeah remember they don't go to the next kid they wanted to do that several times but it doesn't no, I mean, go to now, the next kid now yeah, it does now, now it does so you know come on if george decides he likes the pope then charlotte can have the throne End of story. There you go. But if George marries somebody that's Catholic, then have that conversation. Hey, that's great. You can believe what you want, but our children will be, or the firstborn at least, will be Church of England. End of story. Bada bing, bada boom. So they just make life so complicated, honestly. They really do. So it's not the case of, dearie, lie back and think of England. <laughs> it's lie back and think of Church of England. Exactly. Love that. Okay. Yeah, I think they should no longer be afraid of Mary Tudor haunting the royal decrees. And also, <laughs> yeah, head of the Church of England and the monarch probably should separate as jobs. When Henry VIII decided to do this in a serious way, he didn't think, oh, yeah, the next person will also have to do this because this is now a hereditary thing. Because he was good at it. Don't get me wrong. He knew what he was doing because he did know the church, uh, the church, sorry, the Bible back, um, backwards and forwards. But he didn't yeah, think he, he made that up. He literally made that religion up. He just made it up. Yeah, but he copied. It's literally like when you copy a website. Copy and paste. You just you just attach it to a different domain, but the website is still the same. Terms and conditions, everything the same, except the grand tour is different. It's not the Pope. It's not Popey. It's him. That's it. He made a different... But what I mean is in terms of the Catholicism, so he did. He was a Catholic when he was born. He was a Catholic when he died. He was a staunch Catholic. The only thing he didn't like about Catholicism was the Pope because of the whole don't not letting him divorce thing. But he did 
know his Bible. That's what I'm saying. The original one. <laughs> the classic Bible. Not King not James. The one, not the one that he, he copy-pasted <laughs> Xerox, <laughs> left, right, and center. The one, that the, the true one, if, if that's a thing. He, he knew his scriptures, etc. That's why he thought he could have his own church. He got it straight from God. <laughs> exactly. It's if I think I can do my own, you know... I don't know, my own podcast and write my own scripts for my own tours. But I don't know if, you know, the child of mine, whatever comes out of there, will be able to do that. They may not be able to do anything more than flip burgers and it's fine. I actually think it really, the church and the monarch should have separated after Elizabeth because I just don't really feel like Charles is... Oh, that Elizabeth. I thought you meant the first. No, not the first. <laughs> not that way back. But also because, first. Yeah. Well, nah. Because, right, okay, it probably should have further back, but I think they should have now because at the end of the day, Charles has been quite open about the fact that he likes other religions and he's open to other religions, which is great for being a monarch, but not for being the head of the Church of England. You can be respectful of other religions, obviously. I mean, it kind of. I mean, as long as he doesn't start, you know, praying in them and starts mm-hmm. practicing them, it's kind of like that scene with. So what was it? Rachel, did you mind when Ross flirted with other women? No, but I minded when he slept with other women. Exactly. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> do, do we mind if uh, Archbishop, Archbishop of Canterbury, do you mind if Charles respects other religions? No, no I don't obviously. mind. But I will mind when he starts practicing other religions. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Because he got told off about it and I think it was the 80s or something. Yeah. He was really interested in Islam and he was like, yeah, you, you can't do that. Why can you not do that? Because one day you're going to be the head of the Church of England. Kind of a looks bad when you don't believe it. Doesn't look good on your application. Does not look good. (laughs) LinkedIn is going to flag this straight away. So it's going to be a no. See the speech that she gives at Charles and Camilla's wedding? Oh my God, yes. I love that. Oh my God, yes. It says, I am the mother of the groom. That was so funny. Oh, it it was funny. It was emotional when she thanked Camilla I really liked that because Camilla gets a bad rap we've talked about this a million times I don't like the whole Diana versus Camilla thing if she had lived I, I would have hoped that Diana would have found the love of her life Charles had found the love of his life that's it relationships are complicated and they're never easy and all that should matter is that you find the love of your life at the end of the day and it's nobody else's business and he has found that with Camilla and it's they have lasted the test of time, yeah. literally. She has never complained in public. She has always been by his side. I just think she's done her role really well, yeah. to be honest. And she's put up with so much shit. I would have left his arse just with all the crap shit to put up with. I'd have been like, yes. That's the true Cinderella story. She was literally sh- shoveling emotional shit for mm-hmm. years. Remember when the newspapers were calling her Rottweiler or whatever? She was People literally- still do People Ew. still do. She's I the see. Queen. Fuck off. I see so many posts, and it's women, and it really irritates me. Do bloody better. It's women saying she was not as pretty as Diana. Nobody cares. It's twenty twenty three. Nobody cares what she looks like. She is a good wife to that man. That's all that matters. Diana would have been a great wife to somebody else because they just weren't right together. End of story. Exactly, and really irritates me. No one is as pretty as Diana, but that's... It's immaterial. 
Yeah. <laughs> Once in a lifetime, you, you get yeah. someone like that. But exactly. it goes to show looks do not matter. People people gel over different things. Charles like different things. And Camilla is his other half. Are they the love story? Yes. And we're going to cover that more of that in February. <laughs> Yes, we are. Exactly. That is the love story for yeah. the ages. This is the love story you want to know because they've been, what, they fell in love with 50 years ago now or something? Mm-hmm. And they've, the fact that it's now, what, 23 and of, they got married in 2005. So it's 18 years, 18 <laughs> years front <laughs> and back <laughs> that they've been married. And you, do yeah. you see, and even, you know, before the coronation, after the coronation, you see them holding hands, yeah. you know, smiling at each other. Any photo of them together, you see this love. Mm-hmm. That is the love story. Yes, yeah. they had to wade through a lot. And that's why I love season three. And that's why you love season three, because we saw the beginnings of that mm-hmm. story. And yeah, when it ended, the show ended on the wedding, tears for for Elizabeth, one, two, three, four, tears for the fact that this, yeah, when he was proposing in the greenhouse, I was just, oh my God, finally, yes, just, oh my God, yes, do it, do it, do it. You know what, that is, that's probably one of my favourite proposals, and it is because, you know, you get these proposals now that are completely over the top, and they've got flowers, and it's all set up, and there's, oh, it's Instagram perfect, Fuck that. This is proper, real love. Do you know what I mean? There's no oh, Instagram post or anything else. It's just two people who love each other and who have been through hell and back and still love each other. I, lo- I love the fact that she's, it's so raw and it's so amazing. You know, she, she's smoking a fag. She's not even holding the fag. I love that. <laughs> and she's doing the gardening. She does not look, yeah, Instagrammable in any mm. way, shape or form. I don't I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean, it's, it's not a setup. She doesn't no, have real. the, you know hairdo whatever ready for the camera ready no it's just it's real life mm-hmm. overalls what uh, the, the, the the large coat what have you he's rushing in darling where are you da, da, da. and it's slightly muffled sound because you know we want to give them their privacy yeah this is how you do it harry by the way yes through the glass we see them amazing mm. yeah i like that i, I like it was Amazing, and especially because I, I love these, you know, so Margaret and Peter Townsend, and then this story, these kind of payoffs. Obviously, that one was a little different, but mm. you have these payoffs, and I, I absolutely love that because the, the the kind of the Josh O'Connor from season three would have just been ecstatic. Yeah. I absolutely, absolutely adore it. And Olivia Williams, especially in a wig, in the Camilla wig, is the most perfect mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. They got this so right. And no, she doesn't look exactly like Emerald Fennell from seasons three and four. No, but it's fine. Kind of the same energy. Yeah. Kind of dulled by life, which is, but still Mm -hmm. kind of fighting through and giving this wise advice and stuff. Unlike Harry, by the way, because when he goes from episode four to five, you know, mommy, you get me a video PlayStation. And then he's all, okay, let's smoke some fags. And you go... Uh, this is not an organic continuation. Yeah. Not if if with William, it's literally you barely notice it's a different actor. With Harry, it's I d- I don't know what direction they were going with, or there was no one um, else ginger in the country. <laughs> I doubt that. Yeah, I think they were going for a really annoying, obnoxious teenager because kind of where he came across. And I'm not saying it wasn't. He still like does. That. Well, true. He never grew out of that phase. I think people forget that he was a, like Will, he was a massive heartthrob. 
back in the day. Harry? Every, mm-hmm, everybody wanted to marry Harry. But after William got shacked up with Kate and, you know, Harry became legal. When he goes uh, and he's in the army uniform and he's half naked on playing football or something in the desert, the girls went wild over here. Harry was a massive, massive heartthrob. Then he opened his mouth and we got to know him. We were like, yeah, nah, nah, well, you can keep you. It happened in my time. I vaguely remember caring a little bit, but I think I blocked that out because to me, the ideal Prince Harry is in the Windsors. Where's my crayons? Richard Golding. Yes. <laughs> He's so good. And I love it that when Prince <sighs> Philip found the costume shop, he said, do you want me to write it in a sodding crayon? Oh my God, see that? But I was wetting myself, that's all I could think about. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was literally yeah, using the best crayons. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Oh, it was great. Yeah, That's the best Prince Harry. So best Prince Harry to me is not the real Prince Harry. I'm sorry, no. It's Richard Golding. It's not. Playing him in anything. And he's played him twice in diff- two different mm. mediums, two different works of art. Yeah, he couldn't have yeah. played him. Yeah, he couldn't have played him, it'd be fair on the crown, because he's too old. <laughs> sorry, but yeah. Yes, also he played a different role in season four. I know it was kind of a, I could have done less with it, that if I had done that, but a spin-off would have been great because his life and then Dodie would be a really good TV show. It was. Yeah, <laughs> it was. We don't need a spin-off because we've seen it all. No, but the actors, I mean, because uh, I thought they were really good. One thing that perplexed me, Muhammad Al-Fayed pushing the son to seal the deal mm. and everything and doing everything he can to do it. And then there's the whole Shakespearean, almost Jafar sort of story arc that, you know, just how snaky I can be. And yep. I mean this in the way that, oh, yes, you know, propose, propose, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And then, oops, let's blame someone else. I love I love that. Mm. It's it literally it's it can't be more Shakespearean because it's sort of, no, darling, you did that. Yeah. yeah, no, that's still you. Yeah, no. Also, I love, love, love the fact that when they did the findings and he said, none of them were wearing a seatbelt. Yes. Can we just please make this a title of the episode of the season and probably the whole effing show? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody was wearing a seatbelt. Can mm-hmm. we talk about that, please? Yeah. I liked how they said um, it was a series of unfortunate events and I always think of that as well. Like Titanic, yeah. Like, like Titanic. I don't understand how people could think the royal family or even anybody, anybody tried to do this. Accidents happen. The, the royal family are not immune to accidents happening. They do. She was in a car with a driver who was drinking who wasn't supposed to be driving that night, who had nothing to do with the royal family who was actually paid for by Alfire family in a car owned by them. It's kind of, and Mr. Alfire, are you behind this? Exactly. <laughs> if anybody, if anybody is, was You seem to be yapping way too much. Are, are yeah. you behind this? Is that exactly. what you're saying? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. But I think it was an accident. And, and they had no seatbelts yeah, on. Wear fucking seatbelts. Yeah. Come on. Wear your seatbelt. Exactly. This is the thing that always I want to go back to every time when I talk about people ask me, you know, what are your thoughts? Whatever. Tell us more about Diana. (laughs) Oh, but we know who do you think did it? Seatbelts, people. (laughs) Exactly. They even make Peppa Pig wear seatbelt. Exactly. I just think it's good for kids to see. Everyone in animation is now wearing a seatbelt. Including Jafar, Jasmine, and Prince Aladdin. <laughs> Sorry, Aladdin and Princess Jasmine. There you go. 
Even on the magic carpet at the end of the seatbelt. Yes. <laughs> Do you trust me? No. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. A whole new world. It's called safety. Yeah. Is it, do you know my thing about it is why would they want to get rid of Diana? I mean, be rational about it. Say establishment aside, because I don't know the people at all, right? Why would the Queen want to do that to her grandsons? I'm sorry, she wouldn't. Why would Charles want to do that to his sons? No, he wouldn't. They wouldn't. Honestly, if I was going to bump off anybody in that family, it probably would have been Fergie because she wasn't that great at the beginning. She got better. She redeemed herself. That's what would have happened with Diana. She went off. She was having her single fling life. Caroline of Brunswick, Italian exactly. years. <laughs> but I don't think she would have been that bad, to be fair. I think at the end, Diana would have calmed down, found her role. Do you know what I mean? It was the first time she was kind of free, to be honest. She was loving her life. She was loving her 20s that she should have had. Imagine Diana's Caroline. They stay married. She's in Italy. France, south of France, what have you, having the time of her life. You know, nobody puts Diana in the corner. Mm. And then Charles becomes king. <laughs> She's knocking on the door of Westminster Abbey. Let me in, I'm the queen. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not, love. No, sorry. She, she wouldn't have been that word. Yeah, I know, uh, I know. I think if they let the former King Edward, David, survive, they would have let Diana love. She was not as bad as him. I mean, he went, played with Nazis, had nothing nice to say about his brother in public. Nothing. Nothing nice to say about anybody. He was a pain in the arse. They could have bumped him off during the war and made it look like an accident. I mean, his other brother, George, died in the war. He died in a plane plane accident. They could have bumped him off and nobody would be in the wiser. So if they let him live, Diana was fine. The very fact that... It couldn't have been something they planned, something the royal family had planned. Is in the proof is in the pudding. Is the fact that when she did die, they did not know what to do, how to do, or how to deal with it. Yeah, they that, were not that is your proof. They were not prepared. They were Even, not absolutely prepared. This is what annoys me about the whole Harry and Meghan thing as well. You know, they were saying, "Oh, it was because she was with somebody who was Egyptian." and Muslim and that's why they bumped her off and it's like that doesn't didn't even make sense to me because it's not as if this was the first time that she went with somebody who was a different race from her she did have affairs with other guys but she hasn't shown in the crown but she did have affairs with other guys she had an affair with a doctor who wasn't white she like a doctor yeah yep. heart surgeon yeah yep, the heart surgeon I don't think they cared that much I think the press cared 100% I think there was lots of racist things in the press and again that's where I think Harry and Meghan get that from because they are chronically online you can see it in the documentary they're literally googling themselves <laughs> it's like Joe round the corner said a bad thing about me oh my god let's do them <laughs> they're chronically online But Beyonce texted, so we're okay. We can survive tonight. Beyonce knows who I am. Isn't it amazing who Beyonce knows who I am? You married Prince Harry. Shut up. Of course she knows who you are because you married Prince Harry. Even my mother knows who Meghan is and that says a lot. But we only know who she is because you married Prince Harry. Beyonce only knows who she is because she... Beyonce is only interested in her because she married Prince Harry. Come on, let's be realistic. I think people constantly get the British public and how they feel confused with the British media, confused with the British royal family, confused with the establishment. They're all different things. Just because the media says something shitty or racist 
doesn't mean the public feels like that. Sure. Don't be ridiculous. You don't know the whole public. Have you spoke to everybody in Britain? No. You're yes. quoting Hugh Grant from Two Weeks' Notice. <laughs> You're the most <laughs> selfish person on the planet. Have you don't met be everyone on the planet? <laughs> I love that. Fun connections, or basically the actors I want to point out. I love that Bertie Carvel returned to the show because he was Robin Day in season two. So he's the guy who interviews Lord Altrincham after Lord Altrincham releases an article saying things should change. Remember, I think it was Marionette, the episode, season, mm-hmm. uh, season two, episode five, I believe, when she goes to the Jaguar factory and says, you lead absolutely ordinary lives. And then he chips his tooth or what have you. And then he goes on national television. And then Robin Day, so Bercy Carvel is saying, why do you hate her so very much? It's interesting that he came back as Tony Blair. And it's curious, incredibly curious for me. Obviously, I don't think it was planned remotely. Four seasons later, the guy from the same episode, although he's in the whole season, but still has also an episode where they're trying to tell the Queen what needs to change for monarchy to go forward. Yeah. And it's interesting how Bercy Carvel is very significant to both episodes. I don't think it was planned, but yeah. so if in the first one they go, cancel the debutants ball, what's the point? Be kinder to divorcees and all that. And then this one, it's all, why do we need the, the what was it, the grand hereditary falconer or whatever? And then you have Jamie Parker, sorry, I'll say it normally, Jamie Parker, who in my household is beloved to no end, because also myself and my best theater bestie if you like we have seen him on stage several times so one of the most striking ones i've seen him in was guys and dolls where he played sky masterson if that's the name i've never been in love before that one and he was also in high society i believe around the same time a few years before and of course he was henry v at the globe around the time tom hiddleston was henry v in hollow crown Jamie Parker, he was, of course, Harry Potter on stage. He was the first Harry Potter in The Cursed Child. And he was John Dudley in Becoming Elizabeth, next to Edward Seymour, the former Lord Lord Altrincham. So, yeah. I'm so happy that Jamie Parker is having all this stage attention now because, sorry, uh, screen presence, because he's phenomenal. And I love the fact that he he can do the the, the, the dramatic bits with the whole, you know, oh, Lady Diana has died kind of thing. Mm. And he gets these fun bits with a straight <laughs> the face. The, the, these moments that I think it's just almost his personal brand of comedy or something. When there's no, I'm her senior advisor. I think you'll find that he is. <laughs> and he has several of them uh, throughout season six. I absolutely love that he, he has been cast in this. He's just phenomenal. Another fun thing, the fact that Robert Fellow, so the guy who resigns as the effect of the whole, oh, I am too old to advise you, I'm mm-hmm. going to move on, and more cricket for me. It's okay, it's cricket, not Prosecco. Calm down. So he actually is was not only senior advisor to the Queen, he was also Diana's brother-in-law. The fact mm-hmm. that most people kind of, it's usually glossed over. I think it may have been mentioned on The Crown, but usually... It's it's kind of is almost they're talking about it, but they're not acknowledging that because you read books and when you you read about Diana's story and you know so Robert Fellows, Robert Fellows, Robert Fellows, and it's kind of yeah he's married to her sister Jane I think 
So it's curious how he was advising the queen about something that Diana had done. I think that this one day will, I don't know, 20 years from now, will make a fantastic play and a film, maybe even by, by Peter Morgan. Because that relationship, it, I, I don't know how that is a brother-in-law, but they're on completely different sides of the barricades. I love that in the episode with Ruritania, I think, the Queen's funeral planning, you have these two dudes appear from nowhere. Jonathan Hyde, where have you been hiding? With his, you know, with his voice, you know, the voice that sang Titanic, you know, and also did a lot of naughty things in The Mummy. You kind of go, why have you not been on the show since day one? I know, I noticed him as well, and I was like, he's a bit of a big actor to be this random person. But yeah, Jonathan Hyde, it was just... Okay, can you stay? <laughs> there are three episodes to go. Can you be please be in all of them? There was the, in the same episode, you had a guy called Martin Turner. According to IMDb, he plays Lord Chamberlain. This is an interesting thing. So he played the future Charles III, so Charles Prince of Wales at the time, in Queen Life of a Monarch, which we've discussed on the previous episode. It was, I think, in the final episode, the one that deals with Camilla's wedding. Hmm. So literally around this time. And he also played Charles I in the show called Charles II. So the one with Rufus Sewell, the one you like. Yeah, he's in that for like a hot minute, isn't he? Well, because he gets executed. Yeah. yeah. So he's in the very beginning. Daddy! No, bye. <laughs> but he played Charles I, he played Charles III, and now he's Lord Chamberlain on the crown. Now we can mention the other dramas. So the same timeline, so the same kind of concept, but in a very weak state of concept. We have Queen Life of a Monarch. So it was 2010, 2011 TV series we mentioned previously. Again, five installments, similar to The Crown. Every installment or every hour film has a different cast. So a different actress, older and older and older, obviously. Mm plays the queen. Some of them kind of have a corollary when it comes to the crown. So kind of certain episodes will remind you of certain episodes of the crown. Mm. But yeah, it's um, definitely worth checking out. But the same as many other oil dramas, it fails in the sense of it doesn't look majestic enough because the crown, the good thing about the crown, the show, is that it can actually afford to look that majestic. Yeah. Whereas in... Queen Life of a Monarch, the same as Spencer, which we're going to talk about in a minute. I'm glad to have to. A little bit. It just did not look like it's the residence of the Queen. The fact that it's Prince Philip, not a waiter. Can you pour me a drink? Oh, wait, I thought, oh, you, thought, were thought you were a waiter. <laughs> I thought you were a waiter. Again, Royal Night Out, the 2015 or 2016 film about the young princesses, Night on the Town, VE Day. Very similar to the episode The Ritz, but of course, that one, you know, it's an hour and a half. So enjoy. It's basically a video essay on what would have happened. The Windsors, the great go-to when it comes to The Windsors, the funniest show on the planet. And then, yeah, you have a couple that have Diana. So we have a film called Diana. Then we have a film called Spencer, because she's called Diana Spencer. What's next? Francis? Do we get the middle name as well as a film? No? Okay. So the yeah. the Diana film and was a 2013 with Naomi Watts. I watched several times. I actually like that one. Yeah. It felt a little bit too TV, even though it wasn't. I think if they made it as a television film, it could have been a bit more successful. Same as the mm. Grace of Monaco film with Nicole Kidman. But yeah, it was good, but too... I think, again, it wasn't 
too broad, but that was the point of the story. It was very intimate. Wasn't too bad. No. The only problem is Naomi Watts is very short. She's my height, and Diana mm. was like five oh. foot ten or something. Yeah. Yeah. So Elizabeth Dubicki, that's why she's perfect because mm-hmm. she's she's even taller than that. So then we have Spencer. Is it 2019, 2020, 2021 or something? Basically, yeah, a few years ago. She was, Kristen Stewart was even nominated for an Oscar for that film. And I saw, I watched... Did you not make any other movies that year? No. I even watched a little bit of it last night because it just was put on Netflix, even though it was on Amazon Prime exclusive in the UK for a year or something. My thoughts are this. I think that she deserves a nomination. I think she's very good in it. As Diana, and I know that a lot of people who knew Diana said that Kristen Stewart got the mannerisms, the voice, etc. The problem with it is that no matter what wig Chanel pumps and any of that that you put on Kristen Stewart, it never becomes Diana. (laughs) She doesn't lose herself, at least visually, in that role. You look at she, Emma Corrin as Diana, you see you see Diana. You don't see Emma Corrin. You look at Elizabeth Dubicki as Diana, you see Diana, not Elizabeth Dubicki. Well, Kristen Stewart is no such thing. Like I said previously, the I don't know what was going on with the budget or why did they decide to film it? I think it was something like rural Germany or whatever, because a lot of it wasn't f- even filmed in the UK. And you kind of go, I'm sorry, but that's not what Sandringham looks like. And also it just looks like a decrepit building somewhere in the rural eastern europe probably it just does not look remotely where the sovereign of the united kingdom would you know where does everyone summer this is not exactly. to do with summer well in this case winter but still it's just, yeah i'm sorry what the f is that it's a very good film don't get me wrong it's a very good film it's almost a video essay on it was a stream of consciousness about it. It has a very sort of European cinema, 70s, 80s kind of feel about it. It's great from that perspective, from the perspective of Diana biopic. Really, really not. I even love Jack Farthing casting, the fact that they cast him as young Prince Charles. Even that was good. And he was good in it. It's just, it's almost as if the film is pointless. I think it was pointless. Genuinely think it's pointless. I think Christian's just rubbish on it. Unfortunately, yes, I made myself watch the damn thing because I wanted to see it. Because really? Seen, uh, because I'd seen so much bad press, right? And I'm that type of person, if you tell me a, a movie's rubbish, I'll go watch it. I will. Because I just, I don't believe critics. I yeah. We had this conversation earlier this yeah. summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm not interested. Yeah. I'll, I'll make my own opinions. Um, I'm quite capable of doing that. So I wanted to see what it was all about. I thought the idea behind it is amazing. It's not her whole life and blah 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 and all this shape around her life and all this it was it was just her and his relationship stripped back to quite a lot of emotional scenes and stuff it's just I don't know, just yeah but going to this decrepit old house putting the bloody beads in the soup or whatever that was that part of the film I mean most of it <laughs> running in the field to get the uh, the scarecrow because it may have her father's clothes or whatever that was about. Oh, Anne Boleyn is here and she also has man problems. And let's listen to that. I mean, I love Amy Manson. Don't get me wrong, I'm a huge fan. I've seen some, a lot of Scottish films she was in that they're not very mainstream even. Love Amy Manson, but 
And obviously she played Merida in, what was it, Once Upon a Time? So she played Kathy Gordon on The White Princess. Fantastic. Love her. And I loved her as Anne Boleyn. It's just Anne Boleyn does not belong, does not Boleyn. (laughs) She does not Boleyn. Boleyn. (laughs) In In a Diana Spencer biopic. I mean... And then she says, Daddy, why didn't you tell us we related to the Boleyns? I'm sorry, you you said in your bio that you read about the the the, the Stuarts and the Tudors that you love them. I adored them. Amazing. You do know that you're you're descended from Charles II, right? And Charles II is descended from whom? Okay, Henry the Seventh. <laughs> How's that? Yeah. Uh, obviously, I speak about fictional people. But yeah, that bit of the film blew my mind, especially because if she wants to be seen as Anne Boleyn. And because it's a very anti-monarchist film and obviously I'm from the get-go, if that concept is is there, I'm no. But if she wants to be seen as Anne Boleyn and she sees Camilla as Jane Seymour. Don't even start me because we will be here all day because I'm not being funny. If you like Anne Boleyn, you cannot hate on Camilla. Has anybody heard of Catherine of Aragon? That's my my point. That's my point. (laughs) If you compare yourself to Anne Boleyn, you need to remember that she came between Henry and Catherine of Aragon. And at the end of the day, again, it's 2023. Women don't come in between relationships. Men are just shit and go with whoever they want to go with. You can't steal a man. Honestly, they do have a brain. I know some people think they don't, but they do have a brain. They are capable of saying... No, stop blaming the women for everything. That's that's the tagline of this episode. So we have Whatever Love Means from the early 2000s TV film with, I want to say Lawrence Fox as Prince Charles. No, really? And Michelle Duncan as Diana, yeah. Did you watch that? No, uh, although I think it's on YouTube somewhere. Uh, whatever love means, yeah, 2005, Olivia Poulet, Poulet, so she's Camilla, looks remarkably like Emerald, Emerald Fennell, by the way, and she was in Sherlock, I think, she was one of those, the chick who had the florist soap, mm. that you, rem- you remember? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so she's Cam- Camilla, Lawrence Fox is Charles, and yes, uh, Michelle Duncan is Lady Di. Ooh, and... Alexandra he's so young. Sorry. Sorry, I'm just Googling this to see what it looks like. He's so young. I know people age, right? I'm aware of that. And but... I just saw his relative, <laughs> Freddie Fox, in a play in Richmond. He also played George VI in W.E., by the way. Like his whole, whole family. Because also one of his uncles is the producer, the main producer on The Crown. Let's not forget that. The Fox family is has played royals left, right and center. Because also Emilia Fox, his cousin was I love her. the young Queen Elizabeth in yep. Queen Life of a Monarch in the episode with the whole Peter Townsend thing. And then you have here Alexandra Moen, if that's the way you pronounce it. So she's Princess Anne. And this Alexandra uh, actress, she played Elizabeth of York in The Spanish Princess with mm. Elliot Cowan, who was Henry VII. But then he also appeared in The Crown in season five, episode one. But you missed him, uh, but I didn't because he's my favorite, Mr. Darcy. From Lost in Austin. I'll, I'll watch it one day. You still haven't seen? Okay, we're ending <laughs> this. <laughs> I have a comfy couch now, so I will watch more TV. Yes, because because that's why you won't get Isabella Rossellini. Geography. <laughs> 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 that's why you haven't done it. 
You haven't had a comfy couch. Listen, <laughs> you have no idea how hard it was watching TV without a comfy couch. I don't have one. Well, for me, I'm older than you. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, it's not by much, thank you. I oh, know, but still. I loved the episode where the Queen starts off with a speech to the, the Women's Institute. And I think it was really hilarious that Tony Blair bombed at the end of the episode. Yes, that's the WI, yes. Yeah, yeah, because, and I think this is something that people forget, best thing about having the royal family is that the politicians, especially in this country, are very self-serving and they only care about themselves, but there are so many charities and things like the Women's Institute, are ordinary people who do extraordinary things for their communities, for other people, they're... And the royals are really good at shining a light on these people the way that the politicians wouldn't because they don't care. And I like that. I like they were I like there. the dynamic. Like he can win over anyone. No, he can't. <laughs> that was. And then he thinks <laughs> that they're clapping to him, but they're clapping to shut him <laughs> the fuck up. Please stop. They can see right through his bullshit. And then when he was trying to get her to get rid of the swan keeper and things like this, right? And I just thought it was quite funny because. I know they have slimmed down the monarchy and obviously you have to be a little bit more frugal with money, especially when you've got a country that's going through recession after recession. But I think people forget. And they, do you know what? Feminism did this as well. See, when they tried to get rid of the F1 girls and the page six girls and blah, 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 or page whatever the it was. They're doing these women and with Tony Blair getting trying to get rid of the swan keeper. They're doing ordinary people out of livelihoods because if you've got some swan keeper who's I don't know in his 50s what is he going to do is he going to go work in Tesco I mean come on <laughs> dishing and out swan meat exactly yeah. what is he going to do so yeah and it was the same when they get rid of the boxing girls and the F1 girls so you're just doing women out of jobs how is that great so yeah no. but there were so many jobs that the royals do give I mean they they are a, a business technically at the end of the day as well and exactly you have so many people out of jobs just because you want to modernize that's just a little bit and they've modernized it i think enough because yeah because i mean if you're paying do- see if you're paying a peer you do a job they don't need the money they're rich enough they have land and everything else they're privileged enough but if you're you've got all the servants and everything else that work for the the royal family they're ordinary people doing they pay taxes they pay taxes yeah exactly and, and, and the royals pay taxes too so you know shut up Tony thank you for coming glad you came so I'd just like to point out that our taxes still pay for him so and he does nothing nothing Tony Blair or, mm-hmm. or the PM all of the PMs that are still alive they get they yeah. get money every single year for doing nothing because they were Prime Minister for one day like what's her face that, that woman yeah. that came in and out don't yeah. remember her name Liz Trust. she was <laughs> She did a job for five minutes and she'll get paid the rest of her life. How is that even what? I mean, what? The good thing Larry's still there. So I am very chuffed for Larry. He, he He's still get... holding strong. Larry for Prime Minister. Larry for Prime Minister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to say the last, the major filmy thing anyway, because there are many. Charles III, I need to finish it. I've watched about half of it. It's on, I think, Britbox. So it's the futuristic Shakespeare dialogues. So it's Blank verse, I believe. 
that happened. So it was written about a decade before it actually happened. So it was written about mm. the death of the queen and how Charles becomes Charles III and the difficulties he, ha- he has with the then prime minister. Mm. And that's where you have Oliver Chris as Prince William, who also was in The Crown as the friend of Diana. And you have Richard Golding playing Prince Harry, not in the I lost my crayons way, but in the, oh, there's this woman of mi- that is mixed race and I want to marry her and leave the royal family way. <laughs> and yeah, so it's, uh, and your favorite, or sorry, the wife of your favorite is there as Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge, as she was then, which is... Charlotte Riley, the wife of Tom Hardy. Yeah. And she's wonderful. The hair alone just deserves all the accolades. So that brings us to the end of this episode on The Crown Seasons 4, 5, 6. We will be doing another one, another episode about The Crown and its legacy in a few weeks' time. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of If It Ain't Baroque Podcast. Please like, subscribe and share with your friends. With Gemma and myself, you can find us on social media. The handle is at If It Ain't Baroque Podcast on Instagram and If It Ain't Baroque History on TikTok. The website is ifitainbaroque.art. And if you'd like to join me on one of my walking tours, please check out reinablondon.com. Thank you so much and see you next time.